Welcome back to the Ancient Health Podcast, where we educate you on real health solutions that will help transform the way you live, feel, and overcome disease naturally. I'm your host, Courtney Versage, along with Dr. Josh Axe and Dr. Chris Motley. We're so happy you've joined us. Let's dive into today's episode. Hey, friends. Welcome to the Ancient Health Institute Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Motley, and today we have a very special guest, Ms. Sophia Ruiz. She is a CEO and founder of Sana Skin, a holistic botanical beauty company, published researcher, integrative esthetician, and holistic health advocate. So after years of dealing with stubborn cystic acne, hormone imbalances, and hair loss, she decided to ditch making her symptoms and make it her mission to get to the root cause of these issues. Through what she's discovered through her own research and the healing she found in implementing targeted changes, she has been able to achieve profound healing for herself. Now she helps others do the same, both inside and out. And that is Miss Sophia Ruiz. Thank you for joining us here on the podcast. How are you I'm today? So happy to be here. I'm doing so good. So happy to be here. Oh, I mean, I'm telling you, this was uh, one of those uh, podcasts when they told me I get to talk to you because so many times in the office, I do a lot of Chinese medicine and I use uh, kinesiology and different types of nutrition. And one of the biggest indicators that people come in is through their skin. And I was reading some uh, some questions that I've seen and some research. And it said like from the Academy of Dermatology, they say that um, the rate of acne in adults is pretty profound. They said that even by 2012, they said that 50% of women around like the ages of 20 to 29, more than 25% of maybe 30% of them have acne involved and uh, they can't get rid of that stubborn acne. Um, I want to hear your story. I want to hear like how you got on this journey. And uh, we talked about you having, you know, different hormonal imbalances and what's your journey. Before we even got on here, we were talking about how you graduated high school at 16. Mm -hmm. So let's get a backdrop about what got you on this health journey. Yeah. So I have been dealing with some form of acne since I was seven. I like have a very vivid memory of my mom leaning across the table and like looking at my lip and like, is that looking at me and going, is that a blackhead? And I was like, well, I didn't even know what a blackhead was. I was seven, right? Then fast forward to age 11, um, I was dealing with what they would call classify as like mild inflamed acne. Mm -hmm. And it was just something that, you know, was never like too bad, but never really went away. And um, by the time I was 15, I was dealing with the regular periods, you know, a very early sign of what I was going to deal with later in life, which was hormone imbalances. Um, and the, the doctor that I went to for these irregular periods told me, well, we'll just put you on birth control. You know, that'll fix it. You know, it'll regulate your hormones, which of course we know is not true, just masks mm -hmm. the symptoms. And essentially what was supposed to fix me actually made me worse. So by the time at that point I was 15, by the time I was 16 and 17, I had full-blown cystic acne, hair loss. I was feeling sluggish. I had put on about 15 pounds since I had started the birth control pill. Mm -hmm. um, and I, it was just, it was at, at this point, I was just like so stunned. Like I didn't know what was going on with my body. And I was like, is this like something that I'm going to be dealing with forever? Like, is this just my, you know, situation from now on? And I just was so fed up that I was like, I'm going to fix this. Like, I know there's a reason why this is happening. And I just deep down, there was just like this something within me that told me just like find out what's going on. And so that's when I found holistic health actually just through 
researching on Google and YouTube, and I found different podcast experts talking about holistic health and genes and Chinese medicine, like you mentioned, and all of this stuff that was just like, it just blew my world apart. Like the fact that things happen for a reason, not because it's just what, what we're, you know, destined to deal with. And so, and then opening the idea, opening up to the idea that food and herbs and all of these different lifestyle changes can really impact like the state of your skin and can, you can fix these issues and, and rebalance your body using these amazing holistic uh, modalities. And so totally shook my world. At that point, I had just graduated high school at 16. Um, you already mentioned. Yeah. So I had a lot of free time. So I spent most of my free time. I was like a little barista at Starbucks and um, all of my other free time was spent literally reading peer reviewed journals and, you know, all of these listening to podcasts and all that, all about holistic health. And I literally just threw myself into it. And that's how I got where I am today. I'm still learning. I get so much to learn. I'm still learning to this day, but it's about seven years of just accumulating information and just, yeah, it's been such a journey and I'm constantly amazed at how this, what we're given in, in our environment mm -hmm. is designed to heal us too. If you just tap into it. I do believe so too. I think that in Chinese medicine, they always say that the skin is a representation of what happens on the internal environment yeah. and um, how like certain organs um, help determine what can come to the surface. I think that what you're right, I think that when you, when you see that, uh, how the body is a map, like I know we, you know, doing as you're a holistic esthetician and you're going through your products and I see like sometimes in the office where individuals will have breakouts in certain areas of their face and I, I correlate it to certain organs and we can talk about that. But nowadays you talked about at 15, you had cystic acne, right? Mm -hmm. You were put on birth control mm -hmm. and you got to be a smarty, uh, a smarty pants because you graduate 16. So we can talk about that in a bit, but I just also want to say like, we see this rise of acne within our culture at a higher amounts of rate, especially in adults. Uh, where they won't have, um, you know, they don't have it for a little bit. And then all of a sudden they're saying, I'm just breaking out. I know we has many things we just talked about. Have you found in your world, in your practice, like um, what are some of the main contributors? Are, are there certain parts of the diet that you see or they see like certain types of imbalances and hormones? Yeah. So there's like, it, it really depends on the grade of acne. Um, I, I think that can determine a lot of the associations with things going on internally. Really? Generally, yeah. Generally, if you have you know, more cystic, you know, inflamed, more severe acne. That's a lot of times where we'll see not only hormone imbalances, but also usually metabolic disturbances. Mm -hmm. So the metabolic system has a lot to do with how acne develops and that can occur even without hormone imbalances. So you have uh, types of acne that might be related to these metabolic disturbances and then more severe types of acne where it's kind of layered on mm -hmm. and you have the hormone imbalances and the metabolic disturbances that kind of like have a feedback loop together. So they reinforce each other. Mm -hmm. Um, and so that's one of the main, those are the main kind of mechanisms and, you know, where things will contribute to, um, more severe types of acne and then more mild, mild types of acne. And of course those, two different things can be rooted in imbalances in the liver, imbalances in the kidneys, imbalances in, you know, the gut, like 
all different organ system dysregulations can contribute to these different factors, which then, you know, shows up on the skin in varying levels of severity. I do. I, I agree. I think that, um, you know, when we talk about liver and, and uh, Chinese medicine and kidney backup and uh, not trying to get side uh, on a side note, but I'd say, like, do you find like uh, when we talked about before, we talked a bit about liver health before we even got on here. And one of the things you said you like to get into was MTHFR and genetic. And we're talking about the yeah. metabolic disturbances along with the hormonal and, wow. and, and interject. I'm not trying to go over, uh, speak over, but like you'll have uh, issues like we know like the, the liver, many people may not realize this, the liver will do its best to break down toxins as effectively as it can. And if it can't break them all down and put them in your fecal matter, they'll either put them to, back into your kidneys and then it eventually comes out in your skin. Now, can you describe like, uh, I mean, like we, MTHFR guys is a gene issue that affects your liver. Um, I, we want to, I want to hear your spin on like MTHFR, just like with liver health, you know, give a general explanation with skincare and skin health. That'd be great. Yeah. So MTHFR is really, really interesting. Um, it's one thing that I delved really deep into early in my holistic health journey. I, but also more recently I've been doing more research on it and MTHFR gene mutations. Um, they definitely affect the liver. And, um, a lot of this has to do with homocysteine. So, the, the inflammatory molecule that uh, the MTHFR cycle, the whole enzymatic cycle detoxifies homocysteine, breaks it down, right? Mm -hmm. um, and homocysteine is inflammatory and can contribute to metabolic disturbances. And it can also disrupt different enzymes that break down hormones, male hormones. So you have homocysteine, which can um, you know, trigger inflammation in the skin, but then it can also contribute to hormone imbalances. And in women with acne and then also women with hormone imbalances, we see oftentimes a lot of them are more prone to having elevated levels of homocysteine in the body relative to people without acne or without hormone imbalances. So because the MTHFR cycle is directly responsible for this, if your MTHFR cycle is not efficient, that's when you could see elevations in homocysteine and um, contributing to those underlying causes of acne, which we know an inefficiency of the MTHFR cycle can actually be related to genetics. So like from the moment you come out of the womb, like you're, you know, <laughs> you're dealing with the propensity towards that, right? For some people. But of course we know that genes just load the gun. They don't pull the trigger. It's the environment that pulls the trigger. And so a lot of times what, you know, what, what may be going on is maybe, you know, you don't have enough folate to really power up that MTHFR cycle because, you know, a lot of times people with MTHFR gene mutations, they do have trouble utilizing folate efficient, efficiently. And sometimes we're even clogging up that cycle with synthetic folic acid, which has to go through more steps before it can even be used to detoxify homocysteine. So that's a situation that can be going on in the liver with someone with acne um, or ho hormone imbalances. And then the other part of that, the MTHFR gene, is that you do have, it makes phosphatidylcholine. Mm -hmm. And so that you really need to prevent fat from depositing in the liver. And if you have fat depositing in the liver, guess what? Your metabolic systems aren't going to be as efficient. You're going to have blood sugar issues. Um, you may even have like abdominal adiposity, like where you have more belly fat, which we know that is inflammatory as well. Mm -hmm. um, and so there's all of these different things that the MT come down to liver health, which are rooted in 
MTHFR inefficiencies and and, and inability to really support that cycle where you are detoxifying homocysteine, you are preventing fat from depositing in the liver. And as a result, you know, just all of those connections to the skin and how that can show up in hormones and in acne and inflammation and metabolic disturbances and all of that. So it is really, really such a crucial component of supporting your skin and your hormones. So that's great. That's a, such a great explanation. So you're, you're saying like, like whenever people have like unexpected, you know, acne breakouts, they've had it since they, when they're young, it could have a genetic predisposition in the sense because of the MTHFR gene defect. And you're saying also too, that if they have homocysteine, high homocysteine in their blood work, they need yeah. to go check their MTHFR gene. And mm-hmm. if they do find that, that that could be a contributing of this inflammatory agent rolling around their blood. Yeah. And that's a great point too. I didn't even think about that. That's a great point, uh, Sophia. Like when you talk about phosphatidylcholine and, and the accumulation of fat in the liver and that blood sugar dysregulation, yeah. uh, and like with blood sugar dysregulation, you, you could see like the uh, overgrowth of yeast and different types of infectious agents. And we can go over that too. But guys, everybody out there, remember blood sugar, fatty liver, and homocysteine. Keep an eye on that for MTHFR gene issues. And I love the way you put it about like it's a loaded gun and the environment's the trigger. We talk about triggers and we talk about what's what can trigger these genes. So whenever you have this gene recessive gene, I hate to use the word defect. Mm-hmm. Sophia, are you re- like you're referring to like you can have an environmental condition that can trigger the expression of that defective gene. We we know we talked about before about foods like, uh, but I want to talk about like we know that there's certain foods like there's certain inflammatory foods. And I'm, you may probably get a nausea and probably talking about it, but do you find any that are main, main foods that are the most inflammatory that could trigger a gene such like that? Yeah. I, you know, I think a nutrient for sure that could, can do that is um, synthetic folic acid. So like folic acid in supplements that is synthetic, it actually was never originally tested in humans. They tested it in rats first and saw that it, you know, worked well with the MTHFR cycle to support the detoxification of homocysteine and reducing fatty liver in, in that sense, but they never tested it in humans. They just saw that, mm. it, that it did well in rats. And so like, let's just, you know, fortify all of, our, all of our breads with it and let's put it in every single prenatal supplement and all of this stuff. And lo and behold, humans don't handle folic acid the way that rats do. And so especially like, you know, as a regular human without, you know, I don't want to say a regular human, but, you know, as someone who has the perfect MTHFR genetic predisposition, genetic um, status, folic acid is still not efficient, but they maybe won't have so much of a problem with it. Mm -hmm. Whereas if you are someone who has more of a predisposition towards an inefficient MTHFR cycle, And then on top of that, now your body is like, oh, here's this folic acid. And like, this isn't what I'm normally used to getting from food, like for the past millions of years, like, what do I do with this? Okay. I have to convert it. It has to go through all of these steps before it can even be used. And so when we talk about bioavailability and really being able to utilize the nutrients that we have, especially with something like that, which MTHFR is very dependent on efficient supply of folate. And so if your body's like having to do all of this stuff to folic acid to get it to work in the MTHFR cycle, it's just not going to be able to keep up. And so definitely synthetic folic acid is something, an environmental trigger, like you mentioned, that can contribute to inefficiency of MTHFR 
the, the MTHFR cycle. Um, and someone who has a genetic predisposition to a slow MTHFR cycle can really be prone to not getting what they need from folic acid and may even clog up, you know, the cycle by not allowing you to absorb the folate that you're getting. Um, so it's, it's, that's definitely one of the, the inflammatory triggers that mm -hmm. can contribute to an inefficient MTHFR cycle, especially in someone who's genetically predisposed. That's a good point. I think I didn't realize um, that for all of the people that are listening, that there are certain amounts of this like synthetic folic acid that's in certain food groups. And um, when you have that much that's unknown within our food distribution platform, and, and, and we see it a lot, don't we? We see a lot of different types of preserved, even vitamins and minerals. And I think it's one of the main things with like with that folic acid breakdown. Whenever um, folic acid or that if you have this uh, synthetic form that can't be broken down properly, like MTHFR, that gene helps uh, that, that folic acid basically convert B12 and help that B12 turn into methionine, which, which is really cool because it basically becomes SAMe. And SAMe, like, like Sophia's saying, is one of the things that helps recycle homocysteine. And, and I, I can't imagine, like, you know, with our culture today, how much preservatives and, and things that are in our food stores have clogged up certain, certain of these pathways. Because when you find that, do you... Do you find like uh, one of the biggest things I always say like dairy or corn or wheat because people always concentrate on those foods, but you're right. People don't realize that they're synthetic forms of nutrients and foods. It's not just those foods themselves. That's a great point, Sophia. Yeah, yeah. They bread is one of the you know the the, the fortified bread. I mean, it's everywhere. You know, I mean, even like healthy organic bread sometimes are still fortified with synthetic folic acid and you know, brominated with brom bromine, which can be a thyroid disruptor, um, you know, because it displaces iodine and that stuff. So yeah, there's a lot of like synthetic fortification and, and different things in the production of our food that like, yeah, you know, okay. Like, you know, I don't do so well with gluten, um, you know, or you may know like, yeah, like, you know, different things are inflammatory, but you know, like some people are, you know, they've, they're like, oh yeah, like I'm just going to eat this organic bread because it's organic. And, you know, lo and behold, it has fortified synthetic vitamins in it that are just not great. I mean, it's not like the end of the world, right? It's more like when we're talking about like mega dosing and vitamins, which usually have a ton of synthetic folic acid in them, but you know, some for really sensitive people, like, mm -hmm. yeah, like maybe look at the ingredients in, in the organic bread that you're eating and see if there's synthetic folic acid in there, because that can certainly be something that can be like, yeah, like a little bit of a trigger. Yeah. I think that anything that could trigger an MTHFR gene, like something that severe should be something that's researched. I think that not only are we talking about foods that could be naturally inflammatory, but the, the cycles that can create it too. Yeah. I think it's a good point. I was looking at the other day on the cycles about how, you know, when it, when the histamine gets recycled by, you know, like SAMe, SAMe also helps modulate and regulate um, histamine in the body. So if mm -hmm. your MTHFR is on, you can actually have higher histamine levels too. And that was really, really interesting, you know, like yeah. those pathways. You know? Yeah. And histamine is a direct trigger for acne too, believe it or not. Uh, histamine intolerance is a huge thing um, in, in acne because histamine directly, when it, when it goes to the skin, um, directly contributes to sebum imbalances that wow. are related with acne. So if you have a ton of histamine in your skin, you know, you're going to be dealing with a lot of, not only a lot of oil production, but it increases inflammatory lipids in the skin that are directly correlated with the acne formation process. 
So histamine is one of those things that I absolutely, it's one of the first things that I mentioned mm-hmm. if someone's dealing with acne, you know, there's a multifaceted approach, obviously, but that is definitely one of the things that you go, oh yeah, if you've got histamine issues, you're probably dealing with acne. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. So people out there got to know that they have to look at their genes. They need to look at their histamine. They need to look at their homocysteine levels to yep. get a good backdrop. That's awesome. That's awesome. Another question I wanted to ask you. Do you have any like off the top of your head, like it's pretty general to say, but do you have any like um, foods that you think that are very anti, anti-inflammatory? That, do you have any good ones that you just, you know, a few like top three that you recommend? Yeah. You know, one that I really, really have been loving for a while now is chia seeds, believe it or not, really? because they really are like a powerhouse of nutrients that are really great for acne. So not only do they have a plant-based omega-3s, which help to when we talk about plant-based omega-3s, ALA, alpha-linolenic acid, Mm -hmm. um, it's not well converted into the longer chain um, omega-3 fatty acids, EPA and DHA, which are like more well-known. It's what you get like in fish oil and fish and all of that. But what ALA does really well is it helps to balance out the omega-3 ratio between EPA and DHA. So we actually, when we're talking about reducing inflammation to the maximal capacity, um, having a good ratio of about two to one of EPA to DHA, so like say 200 milligrams of EPA for every 100 milligrams of DHA, that's what's going to give us the most anti-inflammatory kind of fatty acid profile in the body. So because ALA is preferentially converted to EPA and not so well converted to DHA, Mm -hmm. if you're taking in a a good amount of ALA alongside um, your DHA and EPA that you may be getting, you know, from like fish and, you know, maybe you're taking a fish oil or an algae oil supplement, um, that's really going to help balance and give you the optimal ratio. So I love chia seeds for that. Um, because not only for that reason, but because alongside that, they also have magnesium, potassium, a ton of fiber. Um, and they also have mucilage, which is basically that polysaccharide, what gives chia seeds the, that kind of like squishy, you know, pudding texture. You can see exactly like a beautiful spot. Um, so yeah, it, it's that texture is because of the polysaccharides. Um, and that, that is what we refer to as mucilage. And mm-hmm. mucilage is really, really great at soothing the gut lining, soothing gut inflammation, which is a direct contributor to acne um, through, uh, obviously we have to optimize gut health, but also what you were saying about histamine. Um, when the gut lining is inflamed, it can actually decrease the Dow enzyme, which the Dow enzyme is what detoxifies histamine and clears it out of the body. And a lot of times when we see histamine intolerance, the Dow enzyme is actually not efficient. And that is primarily happening in the gut rather than throughout the body. And so when gut inflammation goes up, the Dow enzyme activity in the gut goes down. And that's when we see possible um, root causes of histamine intolerance. So by soothing the gut lining using something like mucilage, there's also other ways you can do it, obviously, but mucilage is also a really great way to do it. It, It's really going to help to facilitate a healthier gut and possibly optimize, you know, your ability to handle histamine. So that's what I, chia seeds like all around are one of those things that I really, really love. And you do have to soak, like make a pudding out of them um, because that's where they're going to be the most bioavailable. It's going to reduce the amount of anti-nutrients, things like, you know, phytic acid um, and things like that. So chia seed pudding is one of my all-time favorites. 
The next one I would say would be something like wild blueberries, which are very high in antioxidants. They're one of the highest antioxidant berries. They taste amazing. Um, Super high in anthocyanins, which are an antioxidant that not only helps to reduce inflammation and reduce free radicals in the body, which are contributors to acne, but they also help to, they bind with heavy metals, um, which can also be a contributor to acne. So they help to chelate, not on a massive level, right? Um, We're talking about something that's, you know, kind of like a supportive food, you know, it's not going to cure your heavy metal toxicity. You know, obviously you need to work with a practitioner for that and, you know, go on a protocol for that. But one way, you know, that wild blueberries do support the body is through, you know, supporting heavy metals and clearing them out. Um, And so that's a really good one. Um, And third, it's hard to say, like if I had to just pick three, but um, I would have to say that probably number three would be something just like nuts and seeds and legumes, that kind of general food group, really high in minerals like potassium and magnesium, really high in fiber. Um, And I would have to say some of my favorite nuts and seeds and legumes are pumpkin seeds, I really like pistachios. They have a good amount of plant sterols in them, which helps to cleanse the liver and support um, the detoxification of male hormones and legumes, just all sprouted, soaked, pressure cooked beans are amazing. Lots of fiber, lots of minerals. So those are definitely like my top three. If I had to pick three, I think that would be my top three. Well, you heard it from her. That's the, I didn't know those things about, like, especially about chia seeds and blueberries. Yeah. I didn't know that. That's amazing. Like, I mean, really, like, especially like, like you say, the conversion of like, you know, like with um, the, the fats, you know, with the ALA yeah. doing that. I mean, that's a really good, um, really good uh, information. I've, I've just been reading this book called Know Your Fats. And mm-hmm. I'm just saying I'm astounded by the activity of fats and how much it reduces inflammation. Most people think like fats would cause inflammation. I'm like, no, if you had the right amount, the right ratio, it would actually help that but, out. Yeah, exactly. Like you said, the ratio, that's so important. I think a lot of people say they're either on the side of like, yeah, like throw all the fats in and then they're, or they're on the side of like, no, fat is dangerous. Fat is scary. Like, and it really is, there is so much nuance and so much, it, it's a really big discussion and I think it really comes down to the individual, but like you said, ratios, it has to be the optimal ratios. If you're going to get the benefits, there's no doubt. Like we have fat, fatty acids in every single one of our cells. Our cell membranes are made of fatty acids. Mm-hmm. And so we need them for our cell health. We can't just get rid of them. Um, but then we also have to make sure like we're not eating too much omega-6 because then that's going to be inflammatory too. And so it's yeah, all about the ratios. Yes, I think it'd be really cool, like this for the, the the audience that knows it. Like then that'd be really cool if you got like you know nutrient testing. Like sometimes I use send Genova Diagnostics or just a nutrient test that would test your fatty acids and find the levels right yeah. there. It could be a huge step in like helping with your acne. So for guys sure. out there, check out your fatty acid levels, and I think that's really good too. Um, uh, with that, we're talking about the how the histamine is broken down by the DAO, the DAO gene. So that's mm-hmm. another gene that you can get checked out to see if your histamine is actually being broken down properly yeah. uh, to get all that excess histamine out. So those are co- great things. Man, this is a great interview. I was going to ask you too. Okay, I have some other questions. All right, go. Yeah. Now, like what, what flowering or botanicals? Now, this is a little bit different. We talked about internal environment. 
Um, we've talked about, you know, genes. What are some botanicals or what are your favorite products that you use that you developed that helps like topically to help with, with acne? Which one? Yeah. So basically out of my whole acne struggle and the research that I was doing and getting really granular with like, what do, what does our skin need? Like we see all this skincare, right? There's hundreds and hundreds of products. I mean, you walk into Sephora or Ulta or Whole Foods and you go like, there's so many products. Like, how do I know, like, what do I even need to look for? And so I was doing, uh, you know, all of my research and basically got really granular with it. And I was like, what is the skin missing? And what is, does the skin need? And what is the most concentrated, most bioavailable way to do that? And so that's when I basically came up with my clarity serum, inspired the formulation of my clarity serum. And one of the really the key botanicals in there are really the antioxidant rich botanicals. So things like rosemary and uh, German chamomile, mm. I absolutely love um, because they're not only very antioxidant rich, rich, I mean, we're talking about, you know, um, some of the most antioxidant dense plants on the planet, especially rosemary, but it, it really it's also like, if you look at the color of German chamomile, it's this bright blue, gorgeous, like pigment. And it, it just, it just tells you, like it presents itself to you. And it's like, I'm cooling, I'm anti-inflammatory because mm -hmm. you know, that blue cooling pigment. And, um, some of those botanicals are just amazing because they're antioxidant and they're anti-inflammatory. And, um, you know, there's, within the skin, if we're talking about, you know, we have obviously the root causes internally, but when you get to the skin, right? Like the blood transports, all these hormones, all these nutrients, all these, everything that you put into your body goes into your blood and it gets transported to the skin and your skin kind of looks at it and goes, okay, what do I do with this? I'm, you know, putting it in the cell membranes I'm putting it into the cells and what is going from your blood into your skin is either going to create harmony and balance mm -hmm. in the skin cells, or it's going to go, there's an issue here. Let me trigger inflammation. Oh, now, you know, I have I'm, my mitochondria are producing more free radicals in my skin or, you know, oh, I've got a ton of histamine in my blood. Let me make a bunch of this inflammatory lipid, you know? And so you have all of these things going on in the body, which then set off imbalance at the skin level. And so the really cool thing is that, yes, we obviously want to work on nourishing the body, healing the body, re rebalancing the body, which is going to facilitate balance in the skin. But what's really interesting and what I love about botanicals, especially when you use them topically, mm -hmm. is that the botanicals go into the skin, you apply them, they go into the skin and they basically like act as a block to all of those things that are coming to the skin. So it's like, oh, hey, I'm inflammatory. And then the German blue chamomile goes, okay, like, let me get rid of that. Let me fix it. <laughs> so, and so then, you know, you're kind of restoring balance topically yeah. while you restore balance internally. And I think that's really helpful because, you know, you talk about stress and, um, there's a lot of the rates of, of psychological harm that they've observed in people who deal with acne. I mean, we're talking about people who self-isolate, people who have social anxiety, people who have depression, people who don't want to even show their face outside. They don't have friends. They don't have community all because of how they feel about their skin. Mm -hmm. And so what's really, really cool is like, yes, we want to find out what's, what's going on internally. We want to find out 
you know, why are you dealing with what you're dealing with? What is, what is going on in your body that it's showing up on your skin? Mm -hmm. But then you also have these amazing healing botanicals that you can put on your skin that will heal the skin. And then you go, oh my gosh, I feel better. And, you know, you feel less anxious. You feel more confident. You feel like, yeah, I want to go out into the world. I feel great. I feel like I'm, you know, I'm, I'm doing my stress levels are decreased because acne really can be a stress. Yes. And, and then your health improves as a byproduct of that, right? Because it's that axis of the, the, the mental spiritual body and the physical body and the physical body contributes to the mental and spiritual health, but then you have the mental and spiritual health that contribute to the physical health. So mm. By really, by, and it sounds, a lot of people, you know, with acne will tell me like, I know it sounds so superficial, but I feel like if I could just clear my skin, like I, I would just feel better. And it's amazing how, when that happens, you see profound healing on a physical level too, even though you're really, you're just healing the emotional side of things. It in turn improves the health of the whole system. And it's, it's really amazing. That is like I I was I think that's a really good point when you talk about um, botanicals and about how it feels emotionally. I'm just asking this as a side note. We don't have to go down this rabbit hole, but I'm just like you talk about botanicals and how you say like the the chamomile and also like uh, like or when you put it on, there's like hey, you have to stop creating so much histamine or creating inflammation in my body. Yeah, I've heard that like uh, botanicals and flower essences and things uh, are huge sources of communication. I've heard that they actually, the flower essences can communicate with the emotions because of the resonant frequency. Is that something that you considered when you put yours in there? You're like, this is not just topical. This is communication. This is something yeah. that communicate with my body. Basically. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's great that you mentioned flower essences. I'm a huge fan of flower essences, by oh. the way, I use them every single day. Mm -hmm. Um, and what's really, really cool on that topic, um, is you talk about the emotional imbalances and how they affect like in Chinese medicine, you know, we know that anger corresponds to the liver and fear and worry correspond to the kidneys and different things like that. Right. Um, one thing that I, that I was recently researching that I found really interesting that I haven't talked about before, uh, like on my Instagram or anything like that yet is when we talk about like the pelvic region, uh, especially in women, um, you know, you have things like purity culture, um, studies have shown that purity culture is associated with pelvic abnormalities. So, you know, like, you know, shame and all of that kind of stuff and trauma and, and different things, but even just, um, you know, if we're talking about more on an energetic level, we talk about like the root chakra mm -hmm. in that region. Um, which is related not only to, you know, you and your identity and your sexuality and different things like that, but also your stability financially and you're feeling safe in the world. I mean, it's the root chakra, like feeling grounded in, in your body, in who you are, in, you know, feeling safe, feeling stable. And, you know, also all of these different things that, you know, affect those kind of aspects of your life can affect the root chakra. And, um, there's a really great herbalist. Um, she has basically her whole life's research is, um, identifying parts of the body and how they reflex onto the face. So, you know, like certain lines or certain breakouts mm -hmm. in certain regions will correspond directly to her theory is that, you know, corresponds directly to a certain place in the body. And so what's really interesting is that, you know, we have people with hormone, hormonal acne, you know, which is traditionally along the jawline. Well, the jawline directly corresponds to the root chakra and, and the pelvic region. So, you know, when you're talking about flower essences, 
the root chakra, if it's imbalanced and creates congestion and inflammation and, you know, uh, imbalances in the pelvic region, that may be a direct root cause factor for someone who's dealing with hormonal jawline acne, um, Mm -hmm. because imbalances in that region can directly reflex onto the jawline. And so one thing that I have had that I do regularly because I grew up in uh, purity culture and I grew up in, you know, with a lot of different moving around a lot in different things, which can create instability and affect that root chakra area. I do root chakra flower essences. Mm-hmm. Like that's a huge part of my, the way I support my body. And it's really interesting too, because when I was dealing with acne, Um, that was one of the places where it showed up, you know? So another thing that, you know, the people on the topic of flower essences is like, yeah, something that energetically balances that root chakra flower, a flower essence that does that may be really healing because it's, you know, directly, um, addressing the organ region that corresponds to jawline breakout. So, wow. Yeah. You are smarty. This is great. Okay. So, (laughs) so like, so everybody out there, it's like, trying to find or not trying to but research and look about the correspondence between organ systems uh chakra um and even meridians probably or organ system in chinese medicine that correspond to certain parts of the face so then you can get an identification of what trauma could be in the body mm-hmm. what organ imbalances could be there and so that's a huge like we call it like chinese facial mapping i know we talked about this and you i know you know these things backwards and forwards so um is uh, there's one book i like called why the face called WTF. Okay. So, yeah. so I'm not trying to get, but that's why they call it. And it goes over. And even in, in Dr. Axe's book, uh, Ancient Remedies, uh, it has like a really good facial diagnosis map. And so I think that's a really good positive way to find out which organ could be like the startup of all these things. Now, love it. So everybody out there, research flower essences, essential oils, check her products out because she's thought about these things and put them in there. And that's, that's an amazing, it's about communication. Okay, we talked about genes and we talked about, because that's a less known fact about acne. I mean, most people don't really realize about the MTHFR in genes. Now, um, that's not a really well-known root cause. And we know that some of the really good ones are like, you know, stay away from dairy and gluten and stay away from corn. Now, the one good thing, like I was going to add to, like some of the not the well-known, you don't have to go, if you want to, I just say, do you ever find with patients, your clients that uh, like, you know, just infections in general, is there any infections that you've ever found like that's in the gut? Like you don't have to go, you know, go through every infection, but do you ever find a, uh, that's not a very well-known thing with acne. Some people just don't realize that there's infections in the gut or something of that sort. Yeah. You know, it's really interesting that you mentioned infections because with the whole infection that's going around now, I don't know if I can say it, but you know, that's definitely something that we see that uh, infections in general can contribute to acne. And a lot of times when people get sick, you know, they'll find a flare up that they get a flare up of acne and they'll be like, you know, my skin was doing so well. And then I had a flare up and now, you know, why am I dealing with this acne? And, and really like when, when the immune system is depleted and because obviously, you know, it takes a toll on your immune system. I mean, we're talking about nutrients that, you know, have to be utilized nutrient stores that have to be utilized to fight the infection. And then those nutrient stores have to be repleted after those nutrients are used. So, you know, things like vitamin D and vitamin A are really, really not only crucial for fighting infection, but you're talking about acne where it is an infection, you know? And so if you're diverting all of your resources to fighting an infection, whether it be in the gut, whether it be you're exposed to something, whether it be all of that you're going to divert those resources away from the skin 
and two, where it's vital for your survival, you know? And so, you know, you do have, uh, I do work with a lot of people who they'll, you, you know, they'll have these infections and then those nu- those nutrients will be depleted. And then the body can't fight the back, keep the bacteria in check on the skin. Wow. And then, and then, you know, that needs to be addressed too. So there is a way to address that topically um, to really, you know, support your body in the midst of healing where, you know, your body is okay. Like, yeah, maybe my body can't fight the bacteria right now, but we're going to leverage this topical or this topical to balance and the the microbiome on the skin, you know, to really uh, make sure that we're giving the skin what it needs while we go through the process of replacing those nutrients. And on the topic of histamine too, infections in the gut obviously can trigger gut inflammation, right? I mean, you have bad bacteria that overgrow, you're going to get inflammation in the gut wall and that Mm -hmm. triggers leaky gut and, you know, different things like that. But, uh, you know, if we're talking about histamine, you know, that inflammation in the gut triggered by that bad bacteria. Yeah. That Dow enzyme, if it's going to get, if there's inflammation, it's going to go, the expression is going to go down. You're not going to be quite as active there. So then that's when you may see histamine levels go up, you know, and Ah, that's great. Yeah. Yeah. And you may have a sensitivity to, you know, histamine forming foods like fish, you know, people are like, yeah, I love me some fish because it's right. It's rich in all those amazing omega-3 fatty acids, but you know, you may not be able to tolerate fish if you've got a histamine intolerance going on because there's histamine in the body or fermented foods, like fermented foods, super healthy, right? High high histamine. But histamine, you know. Yeah, like have kimchi or sauerkraut or something like that. So like, yeah. Yeah. So people, you know, it's like you have a really bacterial imbalance in the gut where you've got an overgrowth of bad bacteria. Yeah. You've got it. You probably have elevated histamine levels and guess what? You probably can't tolerate fish or fermented foods or different things like that. So that is um, so amazing. Oh, I'm sorry. What's your, like you, so the people out there could go get like a small intestinal bacteria overgrowth test, a SIBO Mm -hmm. test or a GI map test. Uh And they can see if they have an overgrowth that in turn could make the environment not suitable to help break down histamine rich food. So they need to find out they have infections roaming around in their gut. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Oh, these are gold nuggets. I'm telling you they're gems. <laughs> okay. So, all right. I know, I know your time's precious. I want to say, um, what are some of the top three things like off the top of your head, top three things that somebody could implement right now just to help with healthier skin? Like just, I mean, anything that comes off the top of your head, what are the top three? Yeah. So definitely, obviously optimizing your skincare routine, right? Because that's going, if you have no matter how amazing your internal health is, right? If you are putting stuff on your skin that's creating imbalances in the skin itself, mm-hmm. you're not going to see the fruits of your labor, right? Um, so optimizing your skincare routine is, is one that I definitely recommend. And it doesn't have to be excessive. It doesn't have to be crazy. It can be super simple. And, uh, but, you know, it can also be more complex if you're dealing with, you know, complex issues internally and, and you want to address those topically. So that's definitely one that I recommend, but the next, the, the other two, you know, if it's like direct, like something you can do today, right. Definitely more minerals. I think mineral, you know, I think it's some number like 75% of Americans are deficient in magnesium and you need magnesium for blood sugar regulation, for energy production, for, you know, reducing inflammation, for making sure vitamin D is active in your body and fighting bacteria on the skin and in the gut and magnesium is just, you, it is like unconditional, like non-conditional, like you need magnesium (laughs) and a lot of people aren't getting enough of it. And so, you know, 
incorporating more magnesium rich foods like, you know, um, coconut water, chia seeds, you know, legumes, sprouted soaked legumes and nuts and seeds and um, all of that. And also potassium, I think, is one that's really undervalued because when we're talking about skin health, for optimal microcirculation to the skin, so like all of the amazing nutrients you're putting in your body, for them to actually get get to your skin and heal the skin, your microcirculation has to be optimized. So like your capillaries have to be properly supplying blood to your, to your face, to your skin. And to do that, it needs potassium, you know? So things like potassium are super important. You need, you know, potassium is also anti-inflammatory. It's an antioxidant. It supports the adrenals. It supports the kidneys. It supports even hormones because, you know, if you're balancing out all of those systems with potassium, obviously your hormones are going to benefit, especially the adrenals. So potassium is one that's really, I believe, undervalued when it comes to skin and just health in general. Um, I mean, you need a ton of it. You need like 4,700 milligrams a day, which I do around, I do around like 4,200 on a good day. And so you really do have to prioritize that, you know, coconut water, all of those magnesium rich foods are great. Leafy greens are amazing for potassium and also for folate. So that's good. Um, But definitely incorporating more minerals. That's a huge one. And then the other one that I would I would mention is um, include flaxseed oil. Uh, that when we talked about the ALA and how the ALA ups the ratio of EPA to DHA to support optimal inflammation, reducing inflammation and the anti-inflammatory effects, um, because most people are getting like a one-to-one ratio. So by consuming more ALA, you're really going to optimize y- your ability to fight inflammation. So flaxseed oil, it has the best omega-3 to omega-6 ratio of any seed. Um, So by adding like, you know, even if it's just a teaspoon or a tablespoon of flaxseed oil to a smoothie, your skin's and and your body is really going to benefit in terms of inflammation, which is a direct root cause for acne. So those three things I think are the biggies and things that are super easy fixes that you can just throw more coconut water or throw more chia seeds and, you know, optimize your skincare regimen and have, you know, a spinach smoothie, and then you just throw some flaxseed oil in there. And those are really simple little hacks that people can incorporate. Like, I mean, you just go down to your local Whole Foods and there's flaxseed oil there. Um, and, and it's something that you, your skin is really going to thank you for. That's great. That's great. That's, these are great gems. Everybody out there, three gems. I mean, you know, everybody needs more minerals and PRI magnesium is such a huge deficiency in our culture. Yeah. And I find that a lot with patients, huge deficient when I get their blood tests. So guys, yeah. skin health, minerals, ALA, get these things in your system. And I think, could you, um, we have, I have a couple more questions and I don't want to, you know, real quick. Um, when people say with saturated fats and unsaturated fats, um, I was going to say, um, that does the unsaturated, um, does this, the, either one, the, with hormone imbalance, we already talked about ALA and we talked about that, but when we say talk about those saturated fats, unsaturated fats, which ones do you find like are the most inflammatory? Just to just to dispel the myth, like a basic. Thought. Yeah. So it's it's very it's a big topic, right? Because there's a lot of debate over, you know, you have a camp a diet camp who says saturated fats are the worst thing you could put in your body, like avoid them like the plague, right? 
And then you have another camp who say saturated fats are the healthiest fat that you can eat and you should have a ton of it. Mm-hmm. And then you have people who are more in the middle who say include, you know, healthy fats like omega-3s and omega-6s and omega-9s and, you know, and then include saturated saturated fats all in that. And, you know, and, and they don't really touch on one or the other, like being too much or too little or whatever. It's very nuanced. There's a lot of components that go into whether your body can efficiently handle saturated fats. Mm. And there's um, a, a gene called the NLRP3. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That one is, it, it's a nutrient sensor. So it, it picks up on nutrients that come into the cell and basically can either trigger inflammation or not. Mm-hmm. And there are people who have imbalances that and genetic predispositions that favor an overactivation of this NLRP3 inflammasome. And that means that certain people who consume saturated fats, you know, if you have two people, one who has a genetic predisposition and one who doesn't, you're going to have one person who puts saturated fat in their body and they get inflamed. Their insulin levels go, go up their, their fasting insulin levels, which insulin is a good thing, right? Because it helps carry glucose to our cells and provides us with energy. But if you have too much insulin and your insulin goes too high for a prolonged period of time, your cells go, whoa, 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 whoa. This is too much insulin. Let me shut off my receptors. And that's what we call insulin resistance. And that can mean that not only does high insulin cause insulin resistance, but then once all of, once your cells are like, no, get this insulin away from me, then it all diverts back into the blood and insulin levels go even higher. And the problem with insulin is that um, when it's too high, it stimulates the production of male hormones. Mm -hmm. And then on top of that, it can directly trigger the uh, formation of acne via um, IGF-1, which is a growth hormone that is directly implicated in acne. And basically what that does is it sensitizes your skin to male hormones. So you may have normal levels of male hormones in your blood and there's the the amount of the the receptor activity on the skin is increasing because of IGF-1. And so you may not have hormone imbalances, but you may have hormonal acne because all of the male hormones that are going to your skin, it's like amplifying. Your skin is amplifying the activity of that. It's like taking it and going, I want to use a lot of this. And, and now I'm going to, you know, make a bunch of skin cells and I'm going to produce a bunch of sebum. And so it, it directly increases the activity of male hormones in the skin. And then you add on top of that, if people are prone to male hormone production because of insulin, then that insulin is also increasing male hormones. So you have a whole storm going on in your body and on your skin specifically, where insulin is basically the main trigger of hormonal acne. Um, And so if you have, like going back to my analogy of someone who has the gene predisposition and not, you have someone whose insulin levels are going way high, who's getting inflamed, who is getting leaky gut because of saturated fats, who is, you know, all of, they've got all of these imbalances that are developing as a result of that. And then you have someone who eats saturated fats, you know, they have a bunch of, I'm great. Like I feel the best I've felt in my life, (laughs) you know? So it's really depends on the person. And a lot of the time we see with people with PCOS and uh, which hormonal imbalances and acne, 
is that they do have a predisposition to developing inflammation and insulin increases as a result of consuming saturated fats. So you have people that are going to do great with it and people that aren't going to do well with saturated fats. And when we're talking about people with hormone imbalances and acne, they are more likely to be the person that doesn't handle saturated fats well. And I am definitely one of those people, 100%. I, if I eat even 85, 15 beef, ground beef, I immediately, I am immediately like, put me in bed, put me to sleep. I feel sluggish. I feel tired. I feel inflamed. I feel like, you know, just not good. And then you have other people who do great with it. So saturated fats are neither good nor bad. I think it's about moderation in general, like for everyone, it's about moderation, right? But then there are people who can't even do well with moderation. Like they need to scale it back, you know, to what feels best for them. Um, and, you know, obviously a nutritionist or, a, a, you know, a practitioner can help you find the optimal level for you. I find that I do best with like 5% of energy. So I only do around 10 to 11 grams of saturated fat per day. Mm-hmm. And that's actually, for me, I find it's, that's really like easy for me to do. Like, I don't feel like I'm depriving myself. And so for that reason, I do err more on the side of consuming a lot of omega-3s, consuming a lot of omega-9s and consuming whole food omega-6 foods. So like nuts and seeds, uh, but obviously uh, the omega-6, when we're talking about omega-6 is like industrial vegetable seed oils. That's a whole different topic, you know? <laughs> that's a, that's have, a whole nother podcast. Yeah, we <laughs> yeah. You have, I mean, you have these seeds, these nuts and seeds, which have vitamin E and they have fiber and they have all of these other nutrients in there. And then you have an ultra processed refined, oxidized, inflammatory vegetable oil that's completely different. So it's really important not to conflate the two. So I do consume a lot of nuts and seeds and studies have shown that those don't increase free radical production. They don't increase inflammation. Um, They actually decrease inflammation and free radicals. Whereas uh, vegetable seed oils, that's a whole different issue. Those are inflammatory. Those are you know, so people shouldn't be scared of nuts and seeds. It's because of, oh, it has omega-6s. It's really the industrial vegetable seed oils that are providing like tons and tons and tons of omega-6 fatty acids that your body is like, whoa, this is too much. Mm-hmm. And then on top of that, they're very inflammatory. They're oxidized and they, you know, disrupt gut health and all of that stuff. So when we're talking about unsaturated fats in general, someone who is prone to developing inflammation and insulin imbalances and different things like that because of saturated fats, because of their genetics, they're going to do better with less saturated fats and including more of the, you know, omega-3, omega-6, omega-9 fatty acids, mm. where someone who is, you know, maybe is not dealing with that, they, one, they're probably not dealing with acne or hormone imbalances of the male hormone variety, right? Because you can have multiple different hormone imbalances, but in general, the ones we see with acne are male hormone excess. So someone who doesn't have that genetic predisposition is not going to deal with those same issues. And they're probably going to do fine. And they probably don't have acne to begin with, or at least not, you know, a severe case of it, you know? So it's neither good nor bad, but it just depends on the individual and people with acne and hormone imbalances tend to do better with less saturated fats and more of the healthy whole food, you, you, not, not ultra processed omega-3 and yeah, omega-6. 
So that's like you go that is it NRLP? Is that right? The NR is there uh-huh, uh-huh. people need to get out their NRLP checked out if they can get the gene tested, but make sure your insulin levels are and then also uncheck and also the IGF. So those are big indicators that these things could be going into play, right? So that's what like these are big indications. Mm-hmm, and this yeah. is this is like blowing my mind. This is so good about how you process fat, saturated versus unsaturated. Guys, research this out. You see if that's you, like just her, what she says and described herself and people out there are going to be like, that's me. Mm-hmm. Check it out. Yeah. So this is such a good combo. I know we're getting close to time, but I want to say, okay, one of the last questions. All right, go. Just what is like one of the, one of the main acne myths you've ever, like you want to dispel? Just say like one of the biggest acne. Just yeah. tell the, the biggest one in your head. Yeah. You know, there's, there's been a, a lot floating around lately, but I think one that is really good to address is iodine. Um, a lot of people are really afraid of iodine. They're afraid of kelp. They're afraid of seaweed because it has a ton of iodine. And, you know, there's this myth that iodine breaks you out. And it is true. There are case reports in the, you know, scientific literature of people who are dealing with cystic acne because of iodine. But what, you know, on the surface level, you read that title of that study and go, oh my gosh, like iodine is the cause of acne. Like, let me remove all of the iodine from my diet. But then you have some, you know, what, what you, when you go further into the study and you read it, you find that these people are taking massive doses of iodine every single day. Mm. So really you only need a tiny, tiny, tiny bit of iodine each day to support your body's, you know, optimal iodine levels. Um, so you don't need to be afraid of iodine. Iodine actually, if we're talking about like the thyroid, thyroid health. So iodine, you need iodine to make thyroid hormones, right? If you don't have enough iodine, you won't make thyroid hormones and you'll feel sluggish. You'll feel tired. It's especially like, I think people with uh, acne are definitely more prone to not having enough iodine because the main sources of iodine are dairy. So, you know, you have people with acne who cut dairy out of their diet. That's a main source of iodine in the diet. And then um, a lot of times people who are dealing with acne are on a holistic health journey. And one of the first things you do is you, you cut out iodized salt, right? Like you replace it with pink Himalayan salt or, you know, like, you know, another form of sea salt because you're like, oh yeah, iodized salt is processed. Let me get it out of my diet. And I, that's one of the first things I did, but what they don't tell you is like, you still need to make sure you're getting iodine, you know? Exactly um, right. You got to make T3 and T4. Yeah. Yeah. And our soils are being depleted. So there's not a lot of iodine in our food. And so the, really the, the, you, you do have to get your iodine from somewhere. So I personally supplement with a little bit of iodine because I don't have a lot of dairy. I don't use iodized salt. Um, I don't eat a ton of fish because I err on the side of histamine intolerance. So that's kind of like, I, you know, and seafood too. So, you know, I do supplement with iodine and you need your thyroid hormones to power the, the enzymes in your liver. I mean, the thyroid hormone is the master hormone. It, it functions, you know, stimulates the function of all the enzymes in the cell. It's the power plant, you know? Exactly um, right. So if you're not making enough uh, thyroid hormones, your liver's not detoxifying as well. Guess what? All of those male hormones that have to be detoxified in your, in your liver are going to get backed up back and into your stuck. system. Yeah. yeah. So, so, you know, they're going to recirculate and that's where you're going to have real trouble, you know, 
treating a hormone imbalance because your, your liver's not working because your thyroid's not working. So you do need iodine. And, um, as long as you're getting the, the recommended daily intake, you do not have to be afraid of it causing you acne. We're talking like mega doses are the, are the issue, not the RDI of iodine. <laughs> that is so great. Great. I mean, that is amazing. Yeah. Cause a lot of people get afraid of iodine. I teach people give them like, get, put them on Alaria, whatever, like sea, sea kelp or seaweed or like sea vegetables. <laughs> And the people do get that way. And I'm like, if you put a little higher amounts, if you're taking tons of iodine, you are activating your thyroid. And in, in turn, a lot of times you can increase your immune system function a little bit too high and it'll start, you know, causing things to go haywire too. That's, that's a yeah. great point. So don't be afraid of iodine. Yeah. I mean, this has been like, I'm telling you, like one of the, one of the best, I mean, you've answered so many questions, you know, your stuff and guys, I need you to follow her. Sophia's got such great info. She has her own product line. And I wanted you to tell people how to get a hold of you, where you on your on your feed and uh, yeah. where they can reach to you. Uh, yeah. So I'm the skin sage underscore on Instagram. I'm also the skin sage underscore on TikTok if anybody is, you know, using TikTok. Um, and curve-wellness.com and saunaskin.care or that's my website that people can reach me through the little uh, contact button there on Instagram. I'm in my DMS all the time by email, all of that stuff. So that's where I am. That's so great guys. Give her, give her a shout, give her a message, check her out. Um, we're so glad that you've been with us, Sophia. We really I, are such, I'm such so gems of information. I'm telling you, this has been great. I've got notes. Um, uh, we all want to keep in touch with you. Courtney gives her your, her best. Uh, she'll be in the next podcast. But um, again, thank you so much for joining us. And guys, check her stuff out. Take this information, run with it. All right. From all of us here at the Ancient Health Institute uh, podcast, we say goodbye. Have a great day. And we'll see you next time.